Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought Iron Maiden was a heavy metal band. <laughs> I'll drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. I hope your 2022 is off to a good start and would like to thank you for making us a part of the new year with you. In this episode, we will be welcoming back first returning guest, the Fresh Prince of Darkness himself, Mark Diamond from the band The Dwarves, will be on later to discuss the film Frankenhooker. And as always, we check in with Synapse Films co-owner Jerry Chandler, talking about some news and notes. And we also check in once again with Noah Chandler and discuss her progress with the new merchandise and merchandising page on the website. Also, don't forget to email me with questions or comments about the podcast, tim at synapsefilms.com. Go ahead and shoot me a note, ask any question, and I will return the email and possibly answer the question and read it on the show. So with that being said, or babbled, whichever you choose, let's get on with the show here and start like we do on every episode with Synapse Films co-owner, my good pal, Mr. Jerry Chandler. I think they might kill me if I tell them what I know. Hey, Jerry. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, happy 2022 to you over there. This is our first our first time we're actually speaking in 2022, the year of Soylent Green. You know, I got to tell you, you actually you revealed my age to everyone. It's exactly 20 times 22. Oh, very good. For all you math magicians <laughs> out there, you can, you can figure out Jerry's age. So how was yeah, your how was hundred years old? Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How was your? Uh, that's some accounting for you. <laughs> I think my wife Angie will take take you up on that <laughs> a little bit. Uh, how was your holiday season in in uh, New Year? I, I trust it was a I'll safe. I'll be very New Year. honest yeah. with you. I'll be very honest with you. It was it was really really quiet. Oh. Um, a bunch of first of all, I we lost a a family a close family friend. Mm of over 35 years to cancer a couple days before uh, New Year's. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a bunch of uh, my friends here locally all came down with the the new COVID virus. And it just put a huge damper on everything. I mean, we, my wife and I, we, we, you know, curled up in a corner in our basement under blankets and hid. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, we, we did the same thing up in our attic, but uh, we do that every (laughs) year anyway. So we invited our son, our, our teenager son to come and hide in blankets with us. I actually made a pillow fort uh, just to make sure that we were extra secure. Uh, from from everything so but uh well happy new year to you and uh all the people listening too out there so we are into 2022 same to you and to angie and to uh everybody listening all right so 2021 i think because i say so was a strong year for releases i had a couple couple questions for you for some of these releases that we haven't really talked about i think one of your one of your releases which is a fairly recent one last year that to me, in my personal opinion, has been woefully underrated, and I think overshadowed uh, by a couple other your more uh, high-profile releases. Though, is Massacre at Central High? It's a terrific movie, a terrific release. It looks, it sounds wonderful, uh, and you have a beautiful steelbook. How is that? How is that selling out there? That movie has been people have been clamoring over that for years and years and years, and it's finally out. 
Well, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, you know, the steel books have been on sale for a, um, a couple of months and it, they're almost sold out. You know, we'd like, of course, we'd like to see everything fly off the shelf in day one, but it doesn't really work like that. Again, when you put this much money into a restoration, you can't just throw out a normal version because you'll go broke. Mm. So we do the steel books and they're a little bit more expensive, but you know, again, it's, it's what we need to survive as a business. And that holds some people back. If, if they, if, and when they do sell out and not until that time, we will do a regular version, but uh, not until that time. And then, you know, the regular version is not going to be cheap. So, It'll end up for what you get with the steel book. That's still going to always be the best deal, and it's something worth grabbing. I I love that movie too. If people have not seen that, I, and I'm everybody does. It's a great movie. I mean, everybody uh, loves it. There, we've never had a complaint as to the quality of the film or the our production. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's very very popular. But I, I'm sure it'll be much more noticed if we ever get the regular version out but we have so many projects we literally have projects that are piling up and there's stuff we've been looking at that we wanted to get to for a couple of years now and mm-hmm. it's it's getting pushed back further it's crazy mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of things coming and there i can't really talk about them at this stage but right 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 man i wish we had more i wish it was more as in the production and then me and Don, right, you know, right. it's, it's just, it's, you know, there's only so much we can do. There's only, and I look in the mirror and I say, wait a minute, <laughs> time isn't waiting for you, pal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Are you it's saying weird, you're, you're not, you're not from Mork? You're not aging backwards? <laughs> is that what you're saying? No. Time is marching no, on and I'm not waiting for you? Wonder. I, I'm beginning to wonder if there's if I if we're going to have time to do everything. But, uh, <laughs> I think it'll anyways. keep everybody going, Jared. Keep everybody going. One of the things you can talk about that you just told me you're pretty excited about because you're starting to see some artwork come in and stuff for this is Tombs of the Blind Dead, though. So that's oh, that's yeah. coming along, isn't it? Yes, uh, I have uh, some copies of, of the Steel Book on my desk right now, and for. All you folks out there that are interested in Tombs of the Blind Dead or our version of it, uh, we use the same type of treatment we did for Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Uh, the uh, we use the crazy talented artist uh, Wes Benscotter, and he created another one large cover. So the steel book is actually you open it and to see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And because the artwork is so incredibly stunning, once again, we forego or for whatever the word is. I'm sorry, I sound very stupid, but we <laughs> not next to me. Not- you don't. That's why you have me on the show. <laughs> I calibrate. I calibrate the intelligence level for you really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We decided not to put the titles or any treatment on the cover. Mm-hmm because we didn't want to block any of the art because it's so beautiful. Dare I say it's even a nicer cover than living dead of Manchester Morgan. It's crazy. I, you know, artistic people, man, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine how somebody could pick up a pen or a pencil or whatever they use and make something like that. <laughs> and and it the, boggles the, your imagination, your mind. Well, the people who do it too, like if I write a song, it's like you had to, you didn't have a choice. It just, it fell out of you, you know? It just, yeah. It's it's like, I didn't know I, I didn't know I was pregnant. Whoa, there it comes, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Well, a couple right. other ones now. Uh, see, March 8th of this year, 2022, you have uh, a couple releases coming out. You got Thriller, A Cruel Picture on Blu-ray. Yeah, Thriller is actually available now. If you order it from the Synapse website, we could ship it right out to you today. Oh, okay, great, great. And then Phenomena is also coming out. Now, that's two 4K discs in that release, and that is in conjunction with Arrow, which we talked about right. in last episode, which we were excited about. Talk about that. I got a question for you. Uh, I don't think I, I mentioned this before. Was Demons, was that release also in conjunction with Arrow? Yes, as a matter of fact. See, I didn't know that because I real I noticed the extra features. Some of them said Arrow in the beginning. So, yeah, so 
I did not know that. It's funny. We're, I'm talking to uh, Kevin from Arrow, and you know we trade like every, people in this business in other with other companies. You trade your product. They want a few copies of this. You, they send you a few copies of that. It's you know it's horse mm-hmm. trading. It's part of the business, right? So I'm talking to Kevin, and he says, "Hey, you know, I need four copies of the Suspiria 4K, and I need this, and I need that." And he goes, "And can you, by the way, can you send us four copies of the Demons and Demons Two sets, the Blu-rays and the 4Ks?" And I said, "Sure. <laughs> Why do you want ours?" Right. And he goes, "Ah, we think they're a little better." <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very nice thing for sure. him to say. Sure. Right. I mean, right. I. You know, it's been such a pleasure working with him and Francisco and all the other people at Arrow. I got to tell you, they're they're really fine people. Yeah. I think I mentioned that before, but it's it's a it's you know it's a nice relationship. Right. It really is, and I'm I'm happy. Uh, right, and then you have more in the future. There's 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 more. Not not that we're going to give up titles, nothing right now, but there's definitely some more in the future coming. Yeah, we're we're. Coming towards the end of the first batch of, of titles we're doing together, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be Phenomena and another one. And mm-hmm. then we're moving on to the next batch where, you know, we both license stuff for the, our own territory. Some stuff we get to first, some stuff they get to first, and we share materials and stuff. Mm-hmm. We have been. This is the starting relationship. Uh, but mostly, you know, we've been taking their materials and, and doing our thing. And then, uh, you know, and it's going to start working the other way very shortly. Hmm. We're going to be helping them with uh, their own version of Tombs. Oh, very good. Nice. And maybe some other movies as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Very excited about that. Hey, speaking of that, something we don't talk about a lot. And since it is the new year's 2022, give a little update on Impulse. How's things going over there? Impulse, knock on wood, it's it's very popular. You know, mm-hmm. we've managed to uh, carve a, a niche, and you know, uh, I think the most popular uh, item we have is the uh, the Peep Show collections because, I mean, people just love those. I uh-huh. try and pick just the the best loops. You know, in the in the you know, I did a podcast for what was it? Uh, a woman's erotica site. Where yeah, I, I listened to all that. About, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to repeat the same words, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of loops made in the late 60s to mid or early 80s. Lots of them, thousands and thousands. So when I go through, you know, I, I have a collector that supplies me with roughly 500 loops at a time. And I go and I transfer them and I watch them and I make sure every loop delivers. There's a lot of loops where the producers, you know, this was always kind of mafia produced. So, of course, they're looking always for ways to save money, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> right. So some loops actually were cut out of full length adult films of the time. Those got to go. Those aren't loops. It's a ripoff. Others are were produced very poorly those got to go others they led you falsely by the covers those got to go i only put on loops that deliver for lack of a better word and uh my fans certainly appreciate it because they tend to you know order they start with volume one and they end up ordering them all over time one one guy once a month every month I had a guy who bought three and then bought 49, the other 49 the next week. So it's a very popular thing and uh, they're coming back for more and we're always producing more. We're working on volume 53, 54 and 55 right now. And, and for, for the, the uninclined, uh, the loops were basically like, if you've ever seen the, uh, like the forties or the, the old times square, you know, like the peep shows and stuff where you would actually put some, like some change in a machine and you would watch this little short porn film. Right. And those were called loops. Correct. That is correct. What you would do are smokers. They were called smokers because at bachelor parties, all the men would be hanging around smoking mm-hmm. and they'd run that super eight, <laughs> you know, super loud projector. Right. So they're, they're interesting for that. I mean, they're historical for the fact that, you know, it's funny That's because, 
Yeah, because as, as like uh, when I was younger, or if I or if I'm watching a different, totally different kind of movie, every now and then you will see, let's say, a New York shop from the '70s, or somebody goes into a peep show, and you see guys putting them uh, usually in long peep coats. They're putting like some change into a machine, looking at the machine. What the hell are they watching? You know, uh, uh, the the Howling is probably a good example of that where Dee Wallace goes into like a little private little theater room and she's she puts money in the machine and starts watching a loop. Is this correct? So these what you're putting out are these loops that were being shown back then that people really didn't see. They saw people looking at them, but what the hell were they looking at? And these are them, correct? That is correct. You know, uh, each one runs roughly six to ten minutes in length. They all tell, for the most part, a mini story. They're like mini movies. And most importantly, they're shot on film. And that's why, you know, Don and I, we like restoring film. And we're doing real restorations. We're preserving this stuff. You know, I'll tell you something. People could be judgmental and they could poo-poo it. But I will tell you this. The U.S. government sure likes them because the guy from the copyright office, they collect film elements. And they've been begging us to send them whatever film elements we have, even for the loops and no matter what the, the subject matter is. They want to preserve film. Huh. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I said, what if it's something awful that I can't use because it's like some illegal thing? They said, we'll take it. We have that stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. But anyways, I'm not embarrassed. You know, listen, we do put out, if that's the way you want to term it, we do put out some porn. Mm -hmm. Was that my life's goal to put out porn? No. But what we're doing is we're taking 70s old lost films. Some don't even have credits and we're preserving them. And I think they're cool. Mm -hmm. That's all. I think they're cool. And, you know, if I have to explain it to people, I say this. You're watching the act of love for the most part. It's two people, uh, you know, for or three or four, whatever. You, know, you got to see the loose. But I mean, you know, they're engaging in an intimate love act. Right. right. They're not chopping heads, drinking blood, gouging eyes, poking noses, pulling ears off. They're not doing that stuff. Where is the real objection? Right. You know, what is so bad? If you don't like it, close your eyes. If it embarrasses you, don't watch. Don't buy it. Tear up the note, the the catalog when you get your next uh, Synapse title. Throw it away. It's not the end of the world. You know, I happen to think if if a lot of the maniacs out there, would we would just give them a bunch of porn, then there's a lot of people that would still be alive and safer. <laughs> the rest of us would be safer right. to give people an outlet. You know, you can't live, you know, we're not meant to live with all these frustrations and stuff. That's why people go crazy. Right, right, right. Look, give folks, it's, it's what our ancient forefathers used to call, used to technically call, they were make them whoopee. So this this episode, Jerry, we have our we have a, a first we have a first a first returning guest. We have our pal, uh, the Fresh Prince of Darkness, Mark Diamond from the Dwarves on, and that's awesome. I love Mark's first interview with you. I, I I've been dying for him to come back. That's great. He is back, and we are going to discuss Frankenhooker. Any comments on Frankenhooker, Jerry? Uh, I mean, not a ton of comments, just that, uh, first of all, we would love to do a 4k, mm -hmm. but we will only create a 4k from the proper elements. We don't up convert like a lot of other people because it's, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And the person we licensed the movie from, we returned the materials and then he had a stroke and was in a coma for six months and he finally passed away. And mm -hmm. this was a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. So the elements for the Frankenhooker, like the original negative and Maniac Cop, gone. Mm. They Nobody knows where they are. I've been, you know, we've been working with Jim Glickenhaus and he's got an associate from Troma and we've all been searching high and low and we there's we can't find them so 
it could be a long time before Frankenhooker and Maniac Cop ever come out on 4K. I mean, because we just can't do it without the proper materials. If if our Blu-ray is going to look better than our 4K, we're not doing the 4K. Gotcha. The other thing I want to mention about Frankenhooker is Patty Mullen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been with her at shows for forever. And, you know, she's the girl who played the creature, so to sure, speak. Sure, sure. And I got to say, she is one of the sweetest people I've ever met. I've sat next to her at shows for entire weekends, never a complaint, always a smile. She's a happy person. I, I got to tell you, I really love Patty. I remember, I think she was at a she was at a cinema wasteland too once, wasn't she? I think so. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, at least once, maybe twice. She was kind of done up like Frankenhooker at least one of the times, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was helping yeah, a friend yeah, there. Yeah. And I remember that. He was, she was across for us, so I was kind of getting a kick out of watching people come up and talk to her all weekend and stuff. Well, but, she, but she's a sweetheart. You know, she calls me from time to time uh, because she needs discs to, to autograph for people. So oh, right. you know, we're all, we always help her out. And uh I, I got to say, not everybody is as pleasant as her, but she is one of, one of the best people I've met in the business as in the realm of actors, you know. Right, right. We'll send her our best, and we really enjoyed the film, and we had a fun little conversation coming right up about it. And, of course, we, we mentioned James Lorenz again, too, because he's so wonderful in that in that yes. movie as well. He's he, I really think he shows his chops in that movie. He acts in that movie in certain points in, in like a real dramatic way, and the way he turns it into comedy and stuff is just brilliant to me. Well, you know, I know we're talking about Frankenhooker, mm-hmm. but James, at the end of uh, when he's talking to the mafia guy in Street Trash, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that was so funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. He, he can be great. Right. He really can be. He's got that deadpan sarcasm down, man. It's just awesome. Right, right. All right. Well, we're going to get to Mark here in a couple minutes. First up, uh, next, I think we're going to talk to your lovely and talented daughter, Noah, because uh, there's been some movement in the merchandise. There's some stuff up on the website and stuff. So we're going to check in with her and talk about that. And, well, again, happy New Year. Happy twenty. 22 to you and i'm looking forward to this year of podcasting with you it's going to be a blast okay and here's noah as always thank you very much jerry for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to the friends and fans of synapse films so next up we have the lovely the talented Noah Chandler to discuss the new merchandise that has been popping up everywhere on social media and on the Synapse Films website. Hey Noah. Tim! Happy 2022! Happy 2022 to you too. Did you have a good new year? I did. I did. Good. What about you? Oh, I had a real good New Year. We stayed at home and watched movies. <laughs> That's pretty much what we did too. Yeah. I, I wasn't going out. It's cold here. Yeah, yeah. Let's that's 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 what we do all the time. We actually uh New Year's we've been staying home with our son for years and years and kind of having fun and toasting each other on New Year's. So but uh good times, very good times. So you've been busy though. Because yes. I have seen that now you do have the merchandise that we talked about on the last episode. Things are moving forward at light speed, and you're up on the website and everything. So give us an update. Yes. So I did reach my goal, and all the uh, products are up on the Synapse site and not on the Impulse site. We changed our mind at the last moment. Okay. So all the sh- 2022 shirts and all the shirts that we have left over from the past are all on the Synapse site, ready to go, ready to be purchased. Okay. Um, we've gotten a good amount of inquiries and um, purchase orders since launching, which was very exciting for me. Good, great, that's <laughs> you know, great. my work. Yeah. But yeah, definitely uh, check out the website because when I get new stuff up, it'll all be on the Synapse site. Now, how much, how much are like the hoodies? And the shirts. The hoodies are fifty five, and the t shirts are twenty five. And it's if it's if you're looking at an older shirt though, like one that's not of the twenty twenty two collection, they're all twenty. And you can order them on the website, 
or you can call too, right? You can call the office and you yeah. or your dad, Jerry, will answer, correct? Usually, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. What's the number they call? Our office phone number is 734-494-3502. And you just like people to call and chat all day with you, right? Just just to hang, yeah, just to keep you on the phone and ask you really strange and awkward questions and things like that. Isn't that your favorite? <laughs> but my personal life and, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I'm doing tomorrow, yes. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> so, but that's cool, though. So now everything, and you said on the last episode, but by, by the beginning of the year that you would hope to have things up in the site and rolling, and they are now. And so are you starting to plan to try to expand the merchandise line a little bit? Yeah, um, I know it's quick. Things. I know we're I know we're soon. It's soon right now, but <laughs> but if you're getting orders though and stuff, it's got to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some ideas. Um, actually, along with calling us or ordering on the website, if anyone has any questions, concerns, recommendations, or just want to say hi to me, not on the phone, you can call me. <laughs> not call me. Oh my god, you can email me at Noah at synapse-films.com and that is n-o-a at synapse-films.com there's no h here okay just plain noah um and that for any inquiry at all any questions comments you want me to do this type of merch you want to just say hi you want to say you like oranges anything right. <laughs> send Great. it to me i have a suggestion yes my suggestion is a wall calendar a 12-month wall calendar, and every month there is a picture of a different Synapse release on every month. I like that. Because the reason I say that is because every year I struggle to find a 12-month calendar because I'm old-fashioned and my calendar is right next to my desk, and I actually write down everything. I do not use my phone to plan anything at all. I'm, I'm old-fashioned, and I'm analog. Anybody who likes my suggestion, email Noah and say, I like Tim's suggestion. Do that. <laughs> or, I, hey, there's somebody right now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's quick, see? I haven't gotten that suggestion yet, and I like it. That's very good. Fair. Very good. Well, if That's you have- good. That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I was like, because I've gotten a few that I, I thought of a new thing that I'm excited about. Um, looking into uh-huh. and then i've had three or four people be like you should do that and i'm like yeah yeah yes yeah yes but wall calendar i'm on that sounds awesome very good very good so if you have other suggestions you can email noah uh and give her those suggestions but very cool and the designs now that they're out there you can go and check those out too and let them know what you think about that because i think i think it looks great looks absolutely great and like you said if you want some of the retro Synapse stuff. You're still selling that while supplies last, correct? Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, good luck. And I'm excited to see it up. And we're going to have you on just about every show, I think, giving us updates with what you guys have up on the website. Well, that is very exciting. I'm excited to be a part of it. Excellent. All right. We'll talk to you next time, Noah. Okay. Goodbye. Once again, thank you so much, Noah Chandler, for filling in everyone on that. So please get your eyes over to the Synapse Films website. Check out the merchandise. If you are interested, you can order online or give a call to the office at Synapse Films. Up next, we have a first in the long history of the Synapse Films podcast. To discuss the film Frankenhooker, welcome back. First time returning guest, Mark Diamond, the Fresh Prince of Darkness from the Dwarves. Hey, Mark. Hey, Tim. How are you? I'm doing okay. So, both of your bands, Dwarves, Motocrist, you guys have both been out and about playing a few shows, getting back into the world. How's that been going? You know, it's been going good. You know, it's, um, you know, between you and me, one thing I didn't miss during the pandemic was touring. <laughs> I like seeing friends and playing shows. I could give a fuck about touring for the sake of touring. Right. <laughs> but that said, you know, it's nice to get out there and play. The actual, and when I say touring, playing shows is fun. It's the other 23 hours of the day, which is touring, which is sitting in a boring hotel room 
in the middle of nowhere, you know, with nothing to do and, you know, then having to take a long ride. Right. I, I didn't miss that. But, uh, but no, the, the playing's been good. It's nice. But. Good. My, my experience is the, there's still some people uh, a little cautious about coming out, but the people who are coming out are ready. They are ready to hear some music. <laughs> that's that's my, my experience. Yeah. We, we did a, a string of dwarves shows, us and me first and the Gimme Gimme's, and every single show sold out. Mm-hmm. And people seemed happy to be able to seem generally grateful to see live music again and go out. And the, the venues handled it all in a safe way. And I, I thought, you know, they did it all pretty smartly. Great, great. Well, we are here to talk about Frankenhooker. You're actually the first returning guests so far to, to the show, by the way. You are the very first returning guest. It's an honor. We threw the uh, the ever-so-elegant street trash at you first to talk about, and then now we thought, hey, we got to get Mark back to talk about Frankenhooker. When was your first introduction to Frankenhooker? You know, I, I got to say, what, what, what year did Frankenhooker come out? 1990. 1990, that's right. It was later, but um, I definitely, I did not see it in a theater. Um, so this would have been a, a video rental. Um, you know, I knew who Frank Hanlauter was and what he had done. It was definitely a rental one for me the mm-hmm. first time I saw it. It's always neat to be able to say that you saw a movie in, in, in the theaters. And it's a shame that so many, you know, I never saw a Creature from the Black Lagoon on a big screen until just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. We did it at like a revival house. And you think about so many of your favorite films that you've never really seen in a theater. Mm-hmm. Frank and Hooker, I, I definitely never did. That, that was strictly video. That was like really the height of like the video rental area time period. So that, yeah, that's when I saw it. You know, it was nice in preparing for this, watching it again, because I hadn't watched it in, in such a long time. There, there's a lot of good people who pop up in this. Uh, Zachary, as a weatherman. Zachary's the weatherman. And the other one I forgot about was L- Louise Lashick. Yes. It was, you know, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. You know, I was very, I was too young to watch that show when it was on. I think mean, I was like 72. I would have been like four. It, but I had heard the name, and I'd always heard the name of that show. And then after that, I can't remember the story. She had some kind of bad showing on SNL where she had like some kind of freak out. I don't really recall. But it's neat seeing her pop up and stuff because she plays the mother. Right. In Frank and Tucker. Right. And she's quite good. And then just the other day, I was watching the movie Blood Rage. Yes. Yep. Where she's uh, she's the mother in that. She's actually really good in Blood Rage. Yes, she is. She's actually the best the best thing about that movie. She's good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because you don't really see her pop up in very much stuff, you know. Right. And the other guy who I forgot about, who was in it, who I like, you you don't, you, you don't know his name. I think his name was Dan Lipman. He's the guy in the Exterminator, the creepy guy who's the state senator. But he pops up in Frank and I, I saw the face. You know, I always recognize that guy, but you don't know his name. But uh, so, yeah, you know, you had Zachary, Louise Lasser. Um, I believe his name was Dan Lipman. Hey, you know, r- real quick, I, I was just looking at this. It, it was David Lipman. Oh, okay. David Lipman was that, that actor. But again, he has a face that you've seen in movies. And uh, it, I remember him from The Exterminator. I'm sure he's been lots of things. But yeah. You know, it's nice when you watch these movies and you see some familiar faces popping. Well, right. And the other thing, too, is Frank Henenlotter, um, who directed this, also directed the uh, Basket Case films. Brain Damage, I guess, would be the other film that he's really known for. Um, these movies are all obviously wild, eccentric uh, sort of silly monster movies or goofy monster movies, I guess. But, you know, something that I've always noticed with him is something that I've noticed with, like, the Coen brothers is that you're not going to find someone in their films who doesn't have a really interesting look or a face. Right. If for nothing else, you know, the, <laughs> the casting of the pimp Zorro. Um, Zorro. Yeah, that guy's great. <laughs> I mean... Uh, how much more of a meathead from 1990? He is a walking stereotype from that era. But the funny thing is, is I certainly probably wouldn't have typecasted him as a pimp, though. Does that make sense? Right. Like maybe, uh, maybe like a coke dealer down in Florida or something. You know, selling out the back of a gym or something like that. But that Zorro guy, he he, he looks like a straight out of a. Miami Vice. <laughs> Absolutely. Clearly, Frankenhooker is a modern, twisted, spoofy take on the Frankenstein story. But 
the star of this movie and I think what holds this movie together and the reason to watch it again is an actor who me and you have talked about on this show last time who is actually in Street Trash and that is the star of this film, James Lorenz. It's hard to take your eyes off of him. Not only does he have a, again, Henan Lauder hires a guy that has a certain look to him, but even a certain timber to his voice that kind of keeps you listening and keeps you watching it. The guy pulls off a pretty good performance when you start considering he's in a lot of this movie by himself. You know, I, I was about to say that, you know, in the other films you've seen him in, you know, he's talking with people and bouncing off them. Most of his dialogue in this movie is just like little soliloquies talking about what he's doing, you know, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's him in the lab, him talking about his plans, basically him acting out what's going on in his head. He doesn't really have a lot of scenes where he's got long conversations with people. Except the one thing that really stuck out to me, and this was a great moment, the, where he is having that moment where he's talking about, to, he's talking to, to Luis Lasser, and he has this long, like a monologue type of thing where he's talking about how he doesn't feel right anymore, and he's feeling like homicidal, and I'm not right, and he's, he's, he's reaching out to his mom. That is some tremendous acting right there. Like, he had me. I'm like, wow, this is great. Then you look over at Louise Lasser and she goes, do you want a sandwich? (laughs) Just that moment to me, like, it's another one of those deals where we talked about before in Street Trash where, and I don't mean this as an insult, but he should have been bigger. James Lorenz to me should have been, and that's not to dismiss that he's, he's a hardworking actor and did a lot, but no matter how successful he was i still think he should have been more successful and if you only had to watch that scene and see him on the screen by himself i'm not an actor but we're both musicians i promise you that both of us feel a little bit more comfortable being on the stage with our bandmates than we would by ourselves performing absolutely for him to carry that much of it by himself is really impressive yeah i mean look most of the movie is just him talking to himself which really it, it which is kind of interesting to you like in street trash what made him so great is his bouncing off the uh the, i can't remember the actor's name the mafia guy right 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 and, and as we discussed before apparently a lot of that was just kind of spur of the moment kind of just riffing right but I mean, that that's where he really shines so to be able to do this all by himself, you know, it's, it's, I'd be curious to know how much of it was just him improvising or what was scripted or whatever. Cause yeah, his best bits, you know, in, in street trash is just him you know, <laughs> talking shit to that gun. Right. Right. It's well, it takes a while for this movie to really get cooking and right. he's holding the whole damn thing together for at least 30 minutes of screen time. You know, and doing things like talking to himself and taking a drill and drilling into the back back of his head, I guess, to release some pressure. And you don't even, he's pulling you into the point where you don't even realize how long it's been. And there really is no Frankenhooker until 40, 50 minutes into the movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's pretty much the show. Yeah, there's a little support here and there, but pretty much it's just him the whole time. Right. One of the weird things in it is that they they put her in a fat suit. The his girlfriend, the Patty Mullen character in the beginning. I kind of thought that was a little unnecessary. It's nothing to do about being fat or making fun of fat. It's not that. It's just sort of like it's sort of it doesn't. It's not necessary. You know, once she's <laughs> once she's like cut up by the lawnmower, who cares? Right. Right. You know, and then you get into this whole kind of things. Okay. Is this movie exploitive toward, towards women or is it female empowerment? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and how, how does that bounce off the fact that, okay, in her first scenes, you know, they fattened her up and she's in the fat suit. Now she's got this great body, but the great body was put together by a man picking the pieces. But then she gets her revenge. You know, so, you know, you, you get into that thing, you know. All right. When you watch I Spit on, you know, I Spit on Your Grave, is it just the worst exploitation, you know, film about, you know, you know, these horrible things you can do a woman or does the fact that she kills them all in the end make it okay and now it's it's you know uh, uh you know a female empowerment movie. you know there's a fine line there it's like you know half that movie is her getting brutally raped and people laughing at her and then the next half is her castrating some guys it's like okay well 
what was it? Was it exploitive or was it empowerment? Right, right. Yeah, which brings you back to the classic. It's a fine line between clever and stupid. Right, exactly. And that's what this movie dances at. It dances at big time with bad taste, with being clever, with not. And then you get that uncomfortable 1990 era. Um, yeah, and I, I think that makes a good point, too. As we just talked about, like with Street Trash, if you watch that movie now, you can say 70s, mm-hmm. 80s. But really, what, where it was shot and the way that people are dressed is like, it doesn't really date itself. When you watch Frankenhooker, this is from that period. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This, this is, you know, this movie was, was not clearly a product of the 70s. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. something new. It's, 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 it's right there. It's, it's post Miami Vice. Um, it's post Miami Vice pre grunge. Right. Um, <laughs> right. It's, it's know, hair metal. And, and everything in it, you know, the people are wearing just the color palettes and stuff like that. It, just, it can't really be anything else. You know, you and I, I we, we talked once about that movie Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the things we were talking about is, like, wow, that really feels like it was made, you know, 12 years earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in early 70s. It's kind of got an ugly tone and whatever to it. More exploitive than when you think about the 80s horror films, you know. Right. This movie is definitely 1990. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, if for nothing else, the fact that the way... That James Lorenz decides to his evil scheme is to get some kind of super crack that right. that's going to cause that he that he I guess he tinkers with to make it explosive super crack. So if you get high on the super crack, you ex- explode, which he I guess tests on his his uh, was it a hamster or his 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 guinea pig or whatever he explodes. Yeah, he finds Zora the muscle bound. You know, pimp guy who not only sells them the women, but also sells them, I guess, a bunch of crack, you know, to to entice his own girls to party with them, I guess. Um, When James Lorenz finally lures all of these prostitutes, which this is the scene in the movie that's that's remembered the most. He, He lures them all up to his hotel room or apartment or whatever. And then he has this like this this crisis of of guilt. He's like, ah, oh. he's like measuring like their body parts and he's trying to figure out right. like, you know, and I think what happens is like he can't find anybody that really maybe suits him perfect and then has this, this crisis of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this and that. Well, the, 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 the what do we call them today now? What am I supposed to call them? Sex workers. The sex workers, right. <laughs> they, they, they open up a, a, an old fashioned doctor bag and they grab all this cash out because he's like, just take the money. Lorenz says, just take the money, just go. When they see that crack, if I could ever make a woman that happy, Mark, I'm telling you, we would not be doing this podcast right now. I'd be living somewhere else on an island somewhere or something, probably in jail, in prison, where I belong. I think I hit a deer one time and made it do that. But those women get excited for that crack. And it's so over the top. But the whole crack part, right away, I mean, what was, what was, a, what was more of the scare drug back then, the crack. Right, exactly. And so then you have the scene that's most remembered in, of this movie. Everyone remembers it when all the, when all the hookers get excited about the, the crack and they explode. But yeah, you know, no matter what, that film will always be remembered for, you know, it, it's a pretty long scene too. You know, at least like eight girls explode. Right, right. You know, the editing... They, when they blow them up, they have the quick edits that look good. Yeah. You know, it, it looks like, you know, it, it's a little better than the Herschel Gordon Lewis thing. <laughs> right. But it, 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 it's pretty plastic mannequin with some red paint on it kind of stuff. Right. But, and, you know, I, I think in the context of the goofiness, it, it, it works. Agreed. And I think that that's part of it, too, because if this was a more if this was a more serious film, then, then I, I do think that you would notice that more, but it, it sort of lends itself and, and adds to it. That is the moment that, that is most remembered in the film. And I think it's not the one that really stuck with me after watching this again. He puts Patty Mullen and his girlfriend back together with her head, but with all these other parts. But when he brings her back, she's not quite all there. You know, to me, that's the part which is the great Frankenstein thing. You know, is realizing that the brain was the wrong brain. Right. When she looks at it and just says, you want a date? <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's kind of like the payoff. It's been it's been goofy 
You know what I mean? It's right. been, you know, the whole crack and hooker over, overboard thing. Right. But when she finally just busts out and just says, do you want a date? You know, <laughs> Got money? That, that, that's amazing. That's where it, it gels. For me, it gels. There. I go, okay, now, now you've earned the Franken. Right. Yeah, just before that, it was just Booker. Right. That, that was pretty great, I thought. Right. And then what's nice, though, then is then you you get her. You get the Frankenhooker character or whatever. And she she goes out onto 1990 New York streets. Now, 1990 New York streets weren't 1995 New York streets. Yeah, that that's a very good point. You know, we all watch the movies and Taxi Driver where they're walking through Times Square and stuff like that. I don't think I went to t- New York, you know, about probably like 88 or 87 my first time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and th- th- which is still, again, very pre-Disney, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Times Square was a very different place back yes, then. Was. 1990s Times Square was a hugely different place. And that's what makes it fun. And that, you know, for me, when I watch stuff like that, it's like, I'm not old enough to remember classic Vegas, but I can remember Vegas when I was first old enough to go where you could still go and see all those impersonators and the little lounges and people, you, w- women would wear a nice dress and you'd wear a suit to go to the casino. You know, and, you know, now we just wear our flip flops and shorts. It's like, you know, I'm not old enough to remember when people dressed up to go on an airplane, but surely those days are gone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Right. But I, you know, but I am old enough to remember when Times Square was a pretty seedy out there place, you know? Right. And uh, it's, it's nice that you get a little, you know, touch of that in, in this. Cause you know, people who don't know, just don't believe, you know, times, you know, times square is where you went to get shot and buy heroin. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, the first time I was in times square, I was in New York for like a week. I think it was like one of my first girlfriends. She was from New York uh-huh. and I had a you know, roommate taking care of my cat. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, I want to go to times square. And I go, oh, I should get something for my friend, Dave. He's been feeding my cat and bringing my mail. And just laid out on the street, vendors on the street, you could buy anything, you know. Uh-huh. There's a lot of pornography, a lot of bootleg movies. But at the time, one of the tapes that you'd heard about was the one of Chuck Berry peeing on white women. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm from St. Scandal. Louis. I know all and about the other that. one, it, it, <laughs> there was apparently a tape of, do you remember the actress, very pretty Jane Kennedy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and there's, apparently there's a video of her husband fisting her. <laughs> And, and and I'm just walking through Times Square, and then someone's got all their shit laid out on that towel. I'm like, oh, this would make a perfect gift for my friend Dave. Yeah. And it came down to, well, I don't have enough for both, so we got to go with the Chuck Berry one. <laughs> right. But it's like to give you know your, your your listeners an idea of what Times Square was like. Right. Next door, there's people eating hot dogs at a hot dog cart, you know, and you had your little peep shows, and you had you know all all kinds of like you know video stores, but. You could buy. I, I bought that for ten bucks. Is laying out on the street, right? And I had to choose between the, the graphic James Kennedy sex tape <laughs> or the Chuck Berry urinating on people. I stand by my choice. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I wish, I, I wish I could still get a hand, you know, get a copy of that now. But that's what Times Square was like. Exactly. You know, it was yeah. a seedy, yeah. seedy, seedy place. And, and I don't think I ever ventured there at night. Oh no! Back then, no, no, think, no, 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 no. I mean, no. the only reason I'd be in New York was like, playing music, which means at night you're at the club or theater, wherever you're playing. Right. But I always went there in the day. But I can only imagine what you could get at, at nighttime. Oh yeah, yeah. But, but that that puts it in perspective. I bought that on the street off a person's beach towel. <laughs> well, we we that first time that I went there to play, that was right at the tail end of it being the old CD Times Square, and I mean. Well, I think we played through there another, I don't know, half dozen times, and we just never went back to Times Square. You know, we were there. It was no big deal. But then I went back when my wife and I just first got married. We went out there just to take a little trip, and we stayed with our booking agent out there. And he, I asked him, would you take us into the city because my wife's never been there? He took us to Times Square. I didn't recognize it. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it was so... Night and day, night and day, it's, and it's, you know, yeah, it, it's Baby Gap, the Disney store. Uh, WWE you know, was there, like the WWE store, or whatever was there when I was right. When I was there. I mean, you know, and the and so that that part with Patty Mullen going on Times Square, nineteen ninety era, is a lot of fun too because it it kind of gives the movie like a jog. It gives it a little right. bit of pacing because she she runs into all these people and. They are such caricatures. And 
eventually James Lorenz he he gets Patty Mullen he gets his girlfriend's mind back. You know, we'll, we'll put it that way. And that to me, like that, that's like right toward the end. But that's where the movie. I didn't remember the the end. I remembered almost the entire movie except for the end, and I have no idea why. Because as soon as he kind of figures out how to get her back into her mental space and she realizes who she is, then she starts complaining, this isn't my body. Where have I been? Right. Oh, my God, what is this? What is this? And then the old pimp guy, Zorro, muscle, muscle head, he comes in and then completely changes the whole scope of everything. He... he Machetes James Lorenz, and then gets attacked by the coolest bunch of little monsters that I can only say it's a cross between like the Basket Case sequels and the Thing. But yeah. those little monsters are great. They all attack him. So basically, what happens? I guess James Lorenz keeps the discarded body parts of the of the hookers in some kind they're, of freezer. They're like Freezer, like a big freezer cooler, right? And yeah, but but they've all, they've all mutated and joined. Yeah. I, I I I think of it more like the thing. Yeah, that is to me high entertainment. Uh, and <laughs> I mean that figuratively and literally. But it was that was that to me was great. You know, and, and that's the interesting thing too, because you know you remember these kind of through the prism of when you saw them, but also. You know, like when I saw it, you know, on video when it came out, I'm sure it was played in a theater somewhere. But, I, you know, I, I hadn't watched this movie in years. Um, you know, you, I remember the exploding hookers, you know, um, and, and that I didn't totally remember the ending the way that that was. But the other thing was too, like when watching these movies, you know, our younger viewers won't get this. But when we go, oh, that guy, that guy is good. He was in that thing. That used to be that used to torture you for a month until you got it off your mind. Right. Nowadays we have IMDb right. where we look it up. I saw that that little pudgy face, one of the the, the hooker Johns. Mm-hmm. I could immediately look up and go exterminator. That's where I know him from, mm-hmm. or whatever. We didn't have that back then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when someone would say, "Yo, know, you know that guy, he was in that thing," you know, now it's just a matter of looking up and you immediately vindicate. You know, I, I did it last night. I was uh, uh, I would watch the the movie office space with my daughter uh-huh. and in the dream sequence, there's a judge and I go, Oh shit, that's Tom Atkins, you know, from night of the Creeps and, ha- and uh, how I looked it up. I was wrong. It wasn't him, but it looked like it. Uh-huh. But now I'm not tortured by it for four weeks. Right. You know? The thing which I kind of forgot about when I first saw this movie, I recognized Louise Lasser, but I didn't know who she was. I didn't know her history. I didn't know she'd been on a huge, huge television show and stuff like that. And, you know, when I watch it now, I kind of lament because I thought her scenes were great. And like I said, I don't know her story completely, but she kind of had like a fall from grace from TV after Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Hence why she's in movies like Blood Rage and right. <laughs> right, right, Hooker. Right. But her scene with him is great. Yeah. You need a sandwich. You, you look beautiful. You know, I mean, she's really good. And even like watching that movie Blood Rage recently. She's really good at it, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, you know, in, in retrospect and through the prism now of knowing who she is and having, the, you know, a tool like IMDb where I can see those things, I kind of lament that she didn't have a bigger role in it. Right. You know, or, or if she could have come back and, you know, you know, seen Patty in her new body and go, oh, you look great. You lost weight. Right. You right, know, right, right, or something right. like that. Right. You know, I think. I mean, who knows what her con- yeah? She's probably contacted for a day well, or whatever. But, I think actually she was know, I, she was just getting off being very ill, and that's why her voice is so weak and raspy. And they, I think, voiced over a lot of it because she couldn't hardly talk yet. She had been oh, right? very yeah, ill yeah, right yeah. before that, and got on set and was ready to go. Wanted to work. This this would be after Blood Rage, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Blood Rage was yeah, uh, mid eighties. Yeah, right. She's a nut. But she, she, she's really good in that. So, again, you know, I, I'm probably looking at this in a weird way just because I kind of rediscovered Louise Laster now. So I wish there was more of Frankenhooker. Well, and but, um, but she's one of those names, though, too, that as, as a guy who likes B-horror movies, I like him. You know, like, they always, like, try to prop up the name that's been in something else <laughs> to get you to rent right. it or to get you to watch it. You, you saw her name pop up every now and then. But I would get her confused. When I would see Louise Lasser... The the lazy part of my mind would read Louise Fletcher, if that makes right. any sense. Which was Nurse Ratchet, right? Yes, correct. 
Right. And it's funny that you said that because you and I both talked about this. The the finally re- released Grizzly, the Grizzly sequel. Yes. She's in there. Yes. And you're like, wait a minute, you were so good. And wh- wh- what happened? Did you lose a bet? You won the Academy Award. <laughs> and one for the Cuckoo's Nest. And I saw her the other day watching that movie. Oh, she's in Strange Behavior. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and again, I'm like, what happened? Do you owe people money? <laughs> You know, why, why are you, you know, that movie's not good. And, and that Grizzly movie, she pops up too, you know. And, you know. This is an academy, you know, everybody can have their moments or whatever. But, she, you know, her performance in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest is just, oh my God, why aren't you in every movie, great movie ever? Oh, it's iconic. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's why people yeah. say Nurse Ratchet. They know, I was right. thinking that name, Louise Fletcher. I just watched her the other day in Strange Behavior, which is not by any means a very good movie. Well, and that, so that that's like she is one. Louise Lasser had one of those names, and then so I would watch a whole movie wondering where Louise Fletcher was. Well, I think that her scenes with James Lorenz, like I said, there there's only a couple of them, but they're brilliant. I mean, they're really good, and it shows you how good James Lorenz can act. Right. I I would have loved one more of her at the end. Yeah, Frank 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 and Hooker. You know, it it's it's very goofy. You know, it's goofy, and I agree with the whole. There was that period in time where if you're going to get some over-the-top shit produced and shown out there, you had to have the goofy element. It might have a bit too much of that. But, uh, you know, I mean, it does have some saving graces. James Lorenz helps? As good as he is, you know, when he's doing the monologues and stuff like that, I think he's better when he's riffing off somebody, you know, in street trash and stuff like that. And I think, I can't remember, wasn't he in The King of New York? Yes. uh, I can't remember, but... That had a pretty big ensemble cast, so I can only assume that, you know, he wasn't doing extensive monologues in that. But, you know, I kind of wish that he was given the opportunity to, you know, kind of do like what he did in Street Trash, which was just so great, you know. And, and Louise Lasseter would be the one to have done it with. Yeah, regardless of acting, reacting is a, is a strength too that, that right. I think that you know some people have as well but I was just, I mean I kind of agree with you but that's almost what impressed me so much about his performance was that he seems a little effortless doing it and to me that's the trick of acting because you always look like you're struggling to sound natural right. he has a way of being able to sound natural regardless but he just has a way about him he, yeah you know, when you look at the time he did these films, he wasn't some huge in-demand actor. But yeah, he doesn't seem like he's struggling. He just seems very relaxed and cool. He's got that voice too, just that off-the-cuff guy. We all knew a guy like that. Yeah, the right. guy just you know, did just nothing. Hey, man, this is bad. My mom's gonna be pissed. Eh, don't worry about it. You know, he he, he he's <laughs> like Damone in Fast Times at Richmond High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found. I, I, hey, I found your wallet. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's that guy. Right. You know, I was always the guy like, oh shit, I'm gonna get in trouble or something bad's gonna happen. He, you know, he, he was just that that cool guy. He just didn't was never overly excited. You know, even when all the hookers explode, he's not overly excited about it. You know? Right. He's right. not really overly excited about when his girl got run over by the you know his lawnmower. Yeah, he's sad, but <laughs> he never seems overly excited about anything. But it works in that kind of off the cuff way. I think. Right. You could probably add this to the list of movies that couldn't be made today. When you sit back and think about it, just for the simple fact of, can you imagine going in and pitching this to anyone? You know, I think today what people would get pissed about the most is like, you can't, you know, pick, you know, pick a part to make a woman. That's mm-hmm. offensive. Mm-hmm. That's offensive. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's the same thing about, you know, people find these Seinfeld episodes. So it's the, because he made fun of, you know, the woman who was man hands, you know, right, right. you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> fixating on the one girl's breast. Right. People right. do that. It's fun. You know, I mean, this is life. But, right. you know, I always think about those things like pitches, you know, and that's, of course, why a lot of these movies that we love so much are independent films. Sure. Because, you know, you, you could pitch it to a big thing. <laughs> but, you know, when right. you think about even TV shows that are on now, you know, there's still all cop shows or doctor shows. And, you know, it's the same when people used to invent things, you know, it's like. Okay, it's a toaster, but it's got a clock in it. It's a toaster <laughs> clock. And people go, oh, that's great. We're very comfortable with toasters, and we all like clocks. Yes, we'll do it, you know? Right. You know, I mean, like, imagine, like, you know, like when they pitch that, what was that show, House? Yeah, yeah. They go, he's a, he, he's a doctor, and he helps people. Okay, well, we've seen it, but he's an asshole. And they go, oh, that's great. We love doctors. We don't know. You know what I mean? With a it's limp. Like, you know? 
<laughs> you know, it's always that same thing. You know, you, you're just reselling the, you know, street trash was a very interesting idea, which is, you know, why they had to do it on their own. Right. But, you know, you know when they pitch shit, that's what it is. It's, it's this, but it's got a radio. Right. Frankenhooker, you know, the idea is outlandish, but it, it's all, it's played mostly for laughs and right. for goofs. So, so I, I guess uh, like a one out of 10, how do you, how, how do you enjoy this? I enjoy it. I, I, it's when I compare it, you know, if you compare it to certain things that I just love, I put it, you know, six and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then again, you know, what are we considering a 10? Are we considering the Godfather a 10? Oh, right. Just, just how much you enjoy yeah. it. I think more it's like, right. it's your yeah. pleasure watching it. How much did you have fun yeah. watching? It's a, it's a movie to have for, fun for, with. For me, and, and you know, once we accept we're not watching a Kubrick film, you know, or the Godfather or something like that, if, if I'm putting humanoids from the deep at a 10, which I definitely do. Right. And I put this at about six, I put this at, at a six and a half. Okay. Gotcha. I, I, I figured you'd say yeah. a seven. So I was, I was pretty close. Pretty, pretty More, good. if we're going to round up, I'd round to a seven. Yeah. Six and a half to seven. Right. What, what do you like most about it? Once she becomes the Frankenhooker, that, that to me is a big payoff. Cause like you said, it had been going on for you know quite a long time mm-hmm. before you get that. Mm-hmm. But once she finally says, you want to date? You know, that's mm-hmm. that that's kind of like a big kind of release, you know, like, right. OK, we're going to do this now. And I, I, I like that. I like the, the, you know, the direction it goes, because, yeah, you know, pacing wise, like you said, there, there's a long time until it gets to Frankenhooker. Oh, yeah. And thank God it's got James Lorenz in there, because that's I think he is one that's you're keeping your eyes, keeping your interest going and stuff, because he's he's right. He's easy to watch. The camera likes him, you know, so it it, it does. Yeah, what a. So I, what I, you don't have the Synapse Blu-ray because actually I was, we were at, I think we were at Flashback in Chicago and they sold out of the Blu-rays of Frankenhooker. So I, I, I snagged quickly before they sold out. I snagged a DVD for you. It's the same release. Right, it's the same release, but it's, it's a DVD. So what did you think of the, the release? Cause I know you like releases with the extras and things like that. Yeah. You know, that, that's good. It had some cool stuff on it. The print looks good. Um, you know, I have that problem a lot of times with things where I just, you know, well, we restored this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right, know? right, yeah. Whereas other things, you know, I mean, this one I thought looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are lots of times I buy stuff and I'm like, okay, you know, for, for me to re- rebuy stuff or whatever, I, I really kind of want the uh, the extras. Right. It does have, you know, it has the audio commentaries. It's got a featurette uh, all on Patty Mullen. Uh, it's got a featurette with one of the the hooker girls, Jennifer Delora. They'd have a really long in-depth thing with uh, I can't remember his name. The guy you said who did the effects. Uh, oh yeah, Gabe Gabe Bart Bartlos. Bartlos, yeah, yeah. Really, like that, that's at least like an hour-long feature where he just shows everything about you know doing all the castings and uh, you know for to making the bodies and mm-hmm. exploding them. The whole thing that that's actually really quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, cause it has a lot of, you know, like, you know, me, if I'm rebuying something, it's, it's often just for, to see what they, you know, what they dug up the extra features. So this right. one has some really good ones. Um, yeah, there's like three feature ads, um, you know, the audio stuff, uh, commentary from Henlotter from the, uh, uh, Gabe Bartolos mm-hmm. and then, a, a feature on him and then a feature on Patty Mullins. So. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's, it's they did a good job on this. So it's it's satisfying because see that's the thing. Like me and you have talked off off air, as I call it, you know, too. Where I'm more of a transfer guy, you're more of the 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 whole release though as, as a whole. Where I I want to see like what the actual you know that actual transfer print of the movie looks like, and you're you you favor more on the other side. But do you think it's you think it's satisfactory? I think so. I think I, I, you know, I remember, you know, getting this, you know, pretty lousy versions of this and, and this, like you're talking too. it's nice when you see films where they did put some thought into the color palette and, you know, this, a lot of purples and blues and stuff like that. It, 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 it looks nice. It's done well. Well, thanks Mark for talking about, uh, Frank and hooker with us. Uh, what do you, you got anything in the future coming up with dwarves? We we have a whole new record. It's not two new records written. Oh wow! We just have to get around to recording it now. Uh-huh. But we'll be in uh, Portland and Tacoma, February fourth and fifth. That'll be a thing. And then I think uh, in Canada in May. In oh, Canada okay. they have something called Pusa Fest. Yes, yeah, so we're doing that, and then we'll do like four other shows around it. Well, thanks for being. You're our first return 
guest. You know, on Saturday Night Live, they give you that special jacket after you've hosted five times. Yeah. <laughs> I got a used napkin in the mail. Feeling like the Steve Martin Club. So, you know, when I'm on the show for the fifth time, I, I expect a nice robe. <laughs> All right, very good. Very good. We'll Monogram. <laughs> we will we will do that and some stolen hotel tiles will be uh will be in there too as well. So All right, thanks, Daddy. Mark, and uh good luck. And hey, uh everybody listening. I don't. I haven't heard the new material yet, but the last Dwarves album is it "Take Back the Night"? Is that what's called? Yeah. I think I was quoted as saying it's fried tacos good, so that's pretty good. <laughs> so anybody, people, go check that record out, uh, and then go backwards from there. But the last record was amazing. You know, I appreciate you saying that. It's, it's funny on something we were talking about. The song on that record, "Take Back the Night," was a song that I wrote, and the whole thing was about lamenting that. Times Square's not dirty anymore. Las Vegas is too clean now. That's what that song was about. Uh-huh. In the 80s, they had a group called Take Back the Night that was supposed to make the, the streets safe uh-huh. for people to walk around for. It was a good, positive thing. I just kind of wrote a song using Take Back the Night. Let's put it back the way it was. Right. Let's get the hookers and drugs and Chuck Berry <laughs> urination videos back in Times Square. Right. And let's do the same with Vegas. And that, that's what that song was about. So, yeah, we need to take back our own night the way it used to be well excellent so if you need a direct connection to frankenhooker to the dwarves listen to take back the night penned by our own fresh prince of darkness mark diamond so thanks again mark and we'll talk to you soon all right thank you tim take care Once again, thank you so much, Mark Diamond, for being our first returning guest on the Synapse Films podcast. And thank you so much for coming back on and allowing me to abuse you some more. Real quick here, wanted to remind everyone, March 8th, 2022, Phenomena 4K, two 4K disc release will be coming out. Street date for Thriller Cruel Picture on Blu-ray will also be that, but according to Jerry Chandler, call the office now, order it from the Synapse Films website, you can get it now. And don't forget, email me at tim at synapsefilms.com if you have any questions or comments regarding the podcast. It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films.